Ruia, ruia, opea, opea, tahia, tahia. Ke mua ki te kākoa koa, ke herea mai ki te kawau koroki, he tāta ki mai ana i tāna pū koro whaikaro. He kua ka mārangaranga, ko tahi te manu i tau atu ki te tāhuna. Tau atu, tau atu, tau atu. Kia ora and welcome to another episode of Aotearoa Creative. My name is Shane Milne, I'm your host. And today I speak with another cool dude doing cool and amazing things. His current papa is Te Reo Wainene Otua. Now this is a Māori storytelling initiative that uh, tours around Aotearoa and, and actually internationally as well and does Māori stories. It's awesome, it's simple, um, it's beautiful. But it is with a heavy heart that we talk about this Te Reo Wainene Otua. Lee Tamutamu, the creator, um, is from Ngāti but based in Tauranga Moana. We did this interview and a week later, um, a kaimahi, one of the storytellers for Te Reo Wainene Otua and a great man, a langatina, Awanu Yarangi, black, passed away. And we mourn his loss. It's a great loss for the iwi of Tauranga and indeed for Te Ao Māori. Uh, no reira, e hae hae ana te tau o te ate, e hotu hotu ana te whatu mangawa, e mō te te ana ngā mahara, mō ko hinga nei iekara, moi mai, moi mai, moi rangi maria mai. Ka tihe wa Māori ora ka hoke mai ngā mihi, ke a tātou, e kōrero nei, e whakarongo nei, tēnā tātou katoa. So, let's get into this kōrero. Um, like I said, te reo wane ne otua with Lee Tumutumu. He is the creator, the founder, and pretty much does everything. It's an awesome kōpapa. It's an awesome, awesome taonga. And yeah, kick back, relax, enjoy the kōrero. Here we go. Te reo wane ne otua on Aotearoa Creative. Two questions. Where did the idea come from, number one? And number two, where did the name come from? Mm, um, so, um, the actual kaupapa and the idea itself I came up with off the back of some mahi we were doing uh, oh, going back eight, eight years ago now. And um, that involved um, producing um, storybook collections, if you like, of, uh, of Purako. For particular iwi, mm-hmm. um, mainly for, for iwi that I affiliate to, and that's um, Ngāti Awa, and we did 10 stories for them, and two Hoyas, we did five stories for them, um, and then we did another project with Ngāti Rangitahi over here in Matata, another five stories. So basically, we were creating these uh, books, if you like, uh, um, that um, consisted of our, our story, mm-hmm. our, our ancestral stories, tupuna and whatnot. So, um, and then I don't, I don't know where the light bulb came on, but I just looked at myself. Well, if we're doing this in printed form, um, you know, why can't we do it in, you know, as as did our tupuna many, 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 many years ago, yeah. um, Awaha. So, and that's kind of where it came about. It was motivated and prompted. Um, I guess, and hurried along, if you like, the idea of this um, Te Reo Wainimi Otua and the oral storytelling tradition was prompted um, by the passing of my uh, my wife's uh, grandfather. Uh, and this is and this is a this is the same scenario for for any whānau. Uh, when your guru or your kri passes 
way, there's a lot of stories and a lot of knowledge and a lot of Matauranga uh, Māori that they hold within themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they haven't shared that with anyone, then it's kind of lost. It's gone. Um, so we were faced with the same sort of situation. In fact, the week before my um, my wife's grandfather passed away, um, he had actually literally started telling her stories about Te Puaha or Waikato, right. that's where she's from. Um, and she was like, she was loving it. She was like, oh, this is amazing because he had never shared those stories with her before. Mm. Um, and she was, she thought it was, you know, awesome because she's learning about um, these these hills and the awa and, and all of those sorts of things that he was re- recalling from his time as a child and growing up in the area. Anyway, long story short, he passed away the following week, and then we sort of, you know, and 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 during that moment or that period of mourning, you think far out. She's like, she goes to me, and there were so many stories that he he hadn't had an opportunity to share with me yet. Now, what can we do? Yeah. What can we do to maintain and retain some of the supported or, you know, some of these stories? So that's kind of, that was actually the moment where I decided, oh, well, you know, we need to do something about it yes. sort of thing. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, one way of retaining those stories or, or the Purako, the Pakiwaitara, the Pepeha and all of those sorts of things before our our old people pass away is to transfer it. Mm. It's to transfer it through 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 um, the oral traditions, which is basically how we learn things back in the day anyway. Yes. Um, we had someone that was a storyteller or a knowledge expert of Tohunga, if you will. And that person, um, and don't quote me on all of this, but um, that person provided um, the most um, uh, promising young young people of the time um, to Awananga, and he would proceed to transfer these stories through uh, orally, yeah, and um, pass them on to these um, gifted young people. So, in a sense, that's kind of what we're doing in terms of the money that we do with Hirawa Nino Tours. We're transferring that knowledge. We're passing on those stories to our tamariki so that they can pass it on to, to their children and so on and so forth. So for me, it's, um, it's it really is only a small part of what of the bigger picture in terms of what everybody is doing in terms yes. of the reo meona tikanga, the revitalization of the reo, um, but it's also a very important part, I feel. Oh, no, I was, I was, I was going to ask this. Um, we'll, we'll get to the, um, to the name later on, Pierre. Yep. Um, I was going to ask this. And um, but now that you brought it up, we'll just go there. Um, mm. Real right revitalization, um, all of this stuff. It goes, uh, it fits well into this um, kaupapa. But is it is it a real revitalization tool? Is it a, a real teaching tool, or is it more about um, the art of storytelling? Um, is it more about um, being able to? What um, story revitalization, if, if that's mm. what you want to call it? What is it, or is it both? Yeah, that's a good question. Eva. Um I think it's both. Um, I think we started out on the path of it being a full immersion, uh, uh, um, and I can't really tell you why that was. I think it kind of, and this is being quite frank. I think um, when we came up with the idea, was m- more from a funder funding point of view. Yeah. It was more from from the angle of okay, how can we access funding to enable us to deliver this very important kopapa? And at the time, we were being funded by the Māori Language Commission Material. Uh, so I thought, oh well, it kind of goes hand in hand, 
and uh, with what we've been doing previously. Mm. So why not? Why don't we just carry that on? So yeah. it actually suited us well because we were able to. Um, okay, it took us a few years to actually secure some funding from the Maori Language Commission, but eventually we did, um, and it basically um, became a means to to our end in terms mm. of the objective that we had of of, of sharing those stories. So that being said. Um, it isn't just about te reo and the revitalization of te reo. It's about um, um, maintaining this oral tradition and the method of storytelling, or at least as we know it, as Māori. Uh, it's about sharing the stories, um, of course. Uh, at the same time, if we can promote and, and revitalize our reo, or create fight tēnā, um, but it does open up another pathway for us in terms of um, bilingual storytelling. Um, and, you know, just in terms of just from a pure, purely, um, let's face it, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of uh, fluent Māori language speaking um, people, um, children included in that that yes. exists right now at this very moment in time. So it's, a, it's a, I'm going to use the word, it's a, it's a small pool. Um, but if we can, if it's all about um, sharing these stories and transferring the knowledge, um, not to take away from um, the uh, our objective of revitalizing the real, um, but if, we, if we're to um, deliver to a wider audience, then we really need to consider um, the bilingual mm. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, and and, and uh, that sort of takes me on to the um, to the next one because I was gonna say like you know with this real right revitalization um, now we we we're getting into uh, we're starting to see now that actually this this has been amazing and a lot more people are starting to to come on board and stuff like that now we're starting to talk about um, just my my own. Um, experience you know you, it's all of my ones that i've i've done with te reo one and te reo two have been the bulk of them have been maori but there are a couple um bilingual um sessions whatever you want to call it um how did that come about did did you fellas um start off by going now nah, we're going to be 100% te reo maori and that's all good or was it a mental mental like what you said before was it a mental change to be able to go actually this isn't catering to all of our whanau to all of our tamariki we need to make a little bit of a shift and go if it needs if it needs to happen then we're going to go bilingual um the main thing is the story or the main thing is the um part, transfer of that knowledge what, what, what where did that come about yeah, so at the time it was about being tuturu to um, te reo and being a sort of a full immersion um, um, type kaupapa, uh, delivering our stories in, in te reo anake. Um, and you know what, it actually made, um, the irony is it was actually um, something that was our different at the time. Nobody else was doing that sort of thing. And, mm. um, and, and here in our, in our country, in, in this day and age, it's kind of, it's kind of a sad, uh, I guess, a sad commentary to be able to to say that um, it's unique that we're telling these stories in our own language. It shouldn't really be that way, but um, so to answer to answer your question, um, at the start, yep, it was definitely about te reo um, and the revitalization of te reo. 
But as time went on and as the years went on, we started to get feedback from our audience and, of course, the community, kaiako, parents, etc., um, that kind of demanded, not in a, hey, we need this kind of way, but it would be really cool if you guys were able to um, deliver these same stories, but bilingually. Mm. So, you know, we're just listening to our community at the moment. Mm. Um, so it wasn't really a mental decision that I made. It was basically a decision that our audience made and and we need, you know, we need to acknowledge that. Um, and I guess um, that's why we've sort of just kind of moved into the bilingual type yeah. um, sort of delivery as well. Which, you know, to me, that's okay. That's okay because um, if we think about the stories um, and the transfer of the stories, we need to be able to share the stories with as many of our tamariki as possible. And of course to converse with them and communicate with them in, in, in a language that they'll um, be able to receive that information and to basically understand. So it makes sense for us to be able to deliver our, our kaupapa and our stories in, in, uh, bilingually as well. Um, you spoke about, you know, you're listening to the community and listening to the feedback. I, I, I wonder, in this um, digital age where everything is at your fingertips and it's all on the iPad or all on the computer or it's all online, um, all these sorts of things, how has the feedback been, knowing that this is quite old school, um, you know, storytelling has been happening since um, the caveman era around the fire sort of a thing, mm. and essentially nothing's changed in Te Reo Wainanui Otua, it's, it's a person um, speaking to a group of tamariki or adults or a group of people, what's the feedback been from the community, from the listeners, from uh, the people who have been attending Te Reo Wainanui Otua um, events? Yeah, a couple of a couple of things to that question. That's a, again another really good question. Um, so um, I think just you're right. We are we we are sort of reviving this old uh, tradition. Um, it's not something that is new. Of course, we've been doing this for for centuries now. Um, so um, I think uh, our audience. Um, especially the tamariki, just the fact that they're able to be in front of, of, a, of a physical person makes a big difference, mm. you know, and that person can engage with them. Um, and you know what? Um, that storyteller can pick up on, on the atmosphere and the, and the nuances and the, and the energy that's going on in the room, you know, and that's, yeah. that is the main difference from being uh, face-to-face kanohi with your audience as opposed to being on a digital platform um, so I think our kids are able to connect um, a lot easier and therefore be engaged mm. um, and you know what that's something quite different in this technical day and age again that's our one of our points of differences um, the irony being is that um, you know we're, we're contending with uh, technology. We're contending with the tablets and, and the devices and the computers, um, but we're showing that our kids are actually um, they can also connect with um, a person, a real person, you know. Mm. Um, so um, and and and, it, and that's kind of for us. We're offering something different. That's the irony of it all. Yeah. Eh? You can get, you can consume. Yeah, you're, you're offering something different, but it's yeah. not different. It's not, it's, <laughs> not different. Exactly. 
Um, so, you know, that's an interesting position to be in. Mm. Um, um, so, um, that being said, we do acknowledge um, that technology is a big plays a big part in the, in the lives of our, our children and, and people in, in general. Um, so we are thinking about ways that we can de- deliver um, our stories digitally. Um, that takes time, uh, that takes resource, and of course that takes money. So we haven't actually um, sort of come up with anything yet. I've got heaps of ideas around how we might be able to deliver our um our say our events um um you know streaming there's mm. live streaming there's um social media um streaming there's all, all, all manner of ways that we can digitally um deliver the work that we do um there's video as well there's audio you know there's audio too yes. so um not to say that we aren't thinking about those things because we definitely are uh, but at the moment, I think uh, because it does take time, it does take um, resource uh, and whatnot. I'm sort of just focusing on what we're doing, which is good old, as you know, good old storytelling. And come winning, to come I think, like, um, time. Yeah, I, I think you know, like in this digital age, where so much um, content and uh, is being consumed, and you know, there's so many different options for our tamariki, for our fano. Um, you know, it's almost. Like you say, it's it's the the ironic thing is 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 that it's so new to be able to go to a a library of all places where Te Reo One and Te Reo Two is being um you know being held and then you so that's old school in itself and then you're s- sitting there listening to some person speak and like you say that's there's there's that connection there's a honga between um, the storyteller and the listener that's 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 that but I think you know Tamariki sort of crave that sort of um, connection you know you can see it in their eyes when they're yeah. sitting down and you like uh, watching Tamati uh, Tamati Waka when he's doing his little jokes or he's getting some kid up to sing the song and you know how engaged they are it's awesome or we see Kahurangi flowing her bloody it wasn't good for me because I had my story and then Kahurangi gets up with her uh, four poise and amazes the world uh, but yeah. it's awesome but at the same time I'm like going damn my one sucked compared to that <laughs> but you know what I mean eh? there's, there's that yeah, sort of old school connection that is I suppose um, at the end of the day doesn't matter what happens in the world kids are still kids and storytelling is still storytelling and there's a reason why our ancestors were doing it in the fire a thousand years ago and it's still exactly. being done now because it works and it's it's good exactly and that's the beauty within the experience isn't it you is, is being able to see the, the tamariki connect and being able to see them engage um and you know what the the quality of the content that we're giving them is relevant, and that's why, and that's uh, and uh, and I actually think that's the main reason why that we we are able to successfully engage with our tamarikis because it's about them. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a story about a ultimately it's about an ancestor, and that ancestor, um, um, you know, sort of set set the scene and and set set the path pathways, if you like, um, for for these tamariki that you know that are in front of us. Um, so it doesn't have to, the, the, the story doesn't have specifically have to be about the, the, the child or the tamariki in the audience, um, but the actual, just in terms of the way we do things, in terms of our culture, our tikanga, it's relevant to them. And, and I think that's why they can, they can connect so easily is because mm. it is actually about them. 
tell us about um Te Otua and the events themselves. So like Te Reo Otua, um the ones that I've attended and the ones that I've spoken at, they all um they all take place at a at a museum or at a um they all take place at a library. So What's what's the deal there? Has it always been set in a library, or was it um, you had a relationship with a local library, so you started off there and then it just progressed? What what was the facado behind that? Mm. So um, back when we started down in two thousand and ten, I was already doing, as I mentioned, um, we were already producing books uh, of Purako for various iwi. and um, and I was really just going through some sort of networking and and relationship building and. I thought, oh heck, I might contact. Um, actually, it was the Tamaki Libraries, the Auckland Libraries, that made contact with me because they wanted some of our books. Um, and through that uh, introduction, if you like, I became um, sort of um, uh, uh, friends with a lot of the um, uh, Tamaki librarians, Māori librarians. Sorry. Mm. Um, so through that honga. Um, and at the, sort of around about the same time, we came up with the idea, or we formed Te Reo Wainene the idea. And I'm thinking about, okay, so if we're going to have an event, where are we going to hold these events? And then it just kind of made sense, the sort of the two things married up in my mind, because libraries, as we know, um, there's libraries everywhere in New Zealand, right? Mm. Um, they're, a, they're, they're a free, they're a public space. Uh, most libraries are already co- connected with their local communities, including the, the tamariki, whether they're Māori or, or otherwise. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, cool. That might actually make that might actually work. So I approached the Auckland Libraries, which is basically the largest library system in the Southern Hemisphere, which was good. And I said, oh, you know, I've got this idea. Um, we're looking for somewhere to, to to hold our our storytelling events. You know, could we come into the libraries? with you guys and do that and they said yeah awesome yeah definitely so that's where it all started that's so awesome. again it, you know again it was just one of the ideas that i that, that i came up with um and thinking about relationships that i already had at the time and then that's how it came to be that's um one would say oh, i reckon that's um you know you, you might say that that's just an idea that you had i, I reckon it's pretty um out there as well out there sort of a thinking because for me, in my mind, or for um, someone who hears that it's a Maori storytelling sort of a kopapa, you might automatically think that oh, well, it's going to be held at the marae, or um, oh, you're going to go to some uh, Maori event or something, and then just run it on the back of that. But to hold it in the um, in the libraries, I think has actually been pretty amazing. Really, you know, you're getting you're working with the libraries, and as we've said before in the past it's like a win-win i mean the libraries are in the same struggle as everyone else the they're they're in a, a it's an aging sort of uh medium that they're working in i mean it's books and stuff so they wanting more and more tamariki going in so it's a it's a win-win they're working just as hard to try and get tamariki trying to get whānau in there so i reckon there was a bit of a, a master stroke there my friend though and all of the libraries are loving working with te one in your tour Yes, yes, absolutely, and and as you said, um, it's a win-win for both parties. Um, like you said, we're bringing uh, a segment of the community that they wouldn't normally otherwise see um, in public. 
and public spaces like libraries. Um, you know, we're talking about Maori, Maori tamariki, but we're also talking about Maori-speaking mm. children. Um, so, um, you know, in that sense, um, that does lend itself to one of our sort of overarching objectives of, of normalizing te reo. Mm. Uh, if you think about, you know, the fact that we're bringing in this Maori-speaking uh, group, Maori-speaking tamariki into a public space where you wouldn't normally hear, where you wouldn't otherwise hear te reo being spoken, well, that's all part of normalizing te reo in, in our community spaces, isn't it? So that's definitely one of our, um, I guess, one of our key objectives. Has it changed? That we do, is, do you reckon that that, um, that te reo one in Otua has changed the way in which um, some of the libraries um, think and and work with Māori kaupapa like um there are some libraries who who are awesome and have a, a strong Māori um sort of a section if 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 that's what you want to call it or they have a a tikanga advisor or they have a real person who is there full time um that um looks after Māori kaupapa but there are some libraries that um their te reo Māori section is literally one stand and it's got mana magazines and mana magazines right next to a moko book um, and because Te Reo One and Reo Two has been going for a few years now, I would say that you've probably seen all of that. Do you think that Te Reo One and Reo Two has changed, um, has won for the Tamariki, has been doing awesome things, but it has normalised Te Reo Māori and given it um, a bit of mana in, from a library's perspective as well? Yeah, I I would like to think that we've had a positive uh, sort of uh, influence on the way that um, library systems, um, you know, sort of perceive and treat our culture. Mm. Um, and you and you and you pretty much put, you know, you pretty much hit it right on the button. Um, there are some library organisations that are a lot that are that are a lot better, I guess, equipped in terms of their cultural responsiveness in mm. terms of Maori um, and also Pacifica as well. Um, you know, Auckland Libraries is probably a really good example of that. They've got a really great multi librarian sort of community. Mm. Um, and in fact, they've been one of our biggest advocates and our first advocate actually when we out, when we set out on this path uh, many years ago. Um, they still support what we do. Um, and then you've got other libraries, and I'm, I won't name any, but you've got other libraries that, that sort of don't have that level of cultural uh, awareness and cultural responsiveness. Um, you know, within their organisation, I really do think that we have a positive influence on on those yeah. um, libraries that that are, aren't quite sort of culturally aware or culturally, you know, sort of um, engaged, if you like. Um, I really do think it makes them stop and think. Oh, hey, you know, we've got a, we've got this whole community out there that we didn't we didn't see before. Mm. And now they're coming through the doors. Um, a, a great, a, a prime example of that is our relationship with the National Library. Um, we delivered our first uh, four-day event at the Nat National Library. This is in Wellington and Thornton um, three years ago. Um, and they didn't really know what they were up for. They knew what it was. We were basically a uh, full immersion of Māori storytelling, you know, sort of children's event. Yes. Um, and they were they were fully supportive because they're, you know, they're probably the um, sort of um, premier sort of library in New Zealand, if you will. Um, so anyway, they didn't know what they're up for, but by the end of it, they were just amazed that 
the whole atmosphere and the and the buzz that the kids brought into the library space. And you know, this you've been to the National Library, it's a pretty serious looking yeah. place. You know? It's not really a children's library per <laughs> yeah. se, because it's definitely not. It's uh, a place for academics, it's a place for um, archivists, it's a place for adults to go basically uh, to find out and to read stuff. Um, so having these Māori speaking kids running through the foyer and you know escorted a Māori here and there and screaming and doing haka and you know what the totoko and all that they were just blown away they were absolutely amazed um, and they loved it mm. you know and and I guess if you think about that particular example we we've definitely had a positive influence on on that organisation being the sort of the you know benchmark for all libraries in New Zealand if you like. Um, the National Library is the place to be. My motivation for going there, just while I'm, I guess I'm talking about the National Library, is my main motivation for going there was because um, a lot of the treasures that we have in terms of literature, Treaty of Waitangi, Treaty of Taonga, are housed in the National Library, so it made sense to me for us to be able to go there yeah. and talk about our stories whilst we've got all of these, you know, rich, all of these treasures just literally sitting right next door so it kind of to me it made sense to go there to marry the two yes um and you know what that relationship has worked out really well for us and they've they've um, been an advocate and they've supported us since then um so you know of course we were there this year to do our last event of the year and again it was a successful for that particular library so yes i think we have uh, a positive influence on on, on other organizations with the mahi that we do so, 2010, I think it was, you fellas um, applied for your first sort of funding, right? And you you you, you say that um, this COPAPA had been going for a little bit before then. So, you've been going for a while now. I mean, it's 2016. It's the end of 2016. So, that's, that's a fair whack at uh, this COPAPA. Mm. What have you learned over the years? And and has your perspective on this Kopapa changed um, over the period of time that you since you started right through to now? Um, so I I think there's um, I've had many learnings I guess um, from this experience. I think yeah, there's many challenges, but I think one one of the things that I've learned is to um, is to um, yeah. You know, sometimes you believe in something so much and you're so passionate about something that when it doesn't sort of uh, work out, now let's, let's think about funding, mm. um, and, you become, and you're so disappointed, you, you, you feel like you've been let down. Um, and I've been through a few of those sort of experiences. Mm. Um, so I think um, it really, um, it's kind of cliche, but, um, you know, you sort of have to be thick-skinned in that um you know, through every um, disappointment, there's always um, success that will follow. Yeah. Um, and it's really important to, to if, you, if you do believe in something um, and are very passionate about something, it's really important just to keep, um, to stay focused and just to keep fighting that battle, you know. So I think there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that I've learned through, uh, through, through, the, through the experience over the last six years. But I think the main one that, that I can sort of say that I've learned is just um, just stay focused, um, keep doing what you do. And if you really believe in something, then you really just got to keep working away at it until you know, things come right. And you know what? Things came right 
after a few years. So, and here we are. Here we are. You know, we're doing um, we're doing really well. Um, and with, in terms of the community, we've got a really good um, you know good reputation in terms of the funders. We've got good credibility. So, yeah, just stick at it. I think um, I can't really you know sort of um, say this. No, be specific about any any other learnings that I've taken away. But um, how how have things changed over the years? Yeah, things have changed in terms of um, um, you know the way. Uh, actually, no, we haven't really done. We haven't really changed the way we do things since day one. To be honest, um, and you're right, we do have the same people on board, and I think that really just confirms um, how much belief. Um, our people have in this in this cause, if you like, in this kaupapa. Um I'm one of those people, um, but only one of many. Oh, one of many, sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, you just got to look after your people, I think, and that's what we try and do. That's what my wife and I try and do. Is we just, you know, it's all about manaki, manaki tangata. And I think now I've always said this to to to, to other people, but um, you know, without our people. We, we, we really only have an idea mm. um, and it's really important that we look after our people so that one they keep coming back but two they'll um, they'll really feel that it's something that's worthwhile um, giving their time to and all of our people um, you know have that sort of mind mindset they have no problems joining us or participating with our events obviously as long as they're sort of very, very busy schedules um, allow them to then they'll come and come and do some mahi with us um, and you know we'll take what we can get at the end of the day but um, at the same time whether they're working with us or, or, or not um, we're still really active um, in terms of um, you know, sort of keeping them um, in touch um, you know just looking after our people basically so it's kind of a I think it's kind of a common sense thing for for us as Māori, to look after people, mm. but I don't think really it's a common sense thing. And if you're thinking about it from a Western perspective, yes, particularly in, particularly in a business sense, I don't think that's sort of one of those um, sort of you know philosophies that is um, specifically um, you know adopted in most uh, companies. I don't really like to look at us as a company. I like to look at us as a family. So, and that's kind of even just when you look at it in that sense. Um, it's, it's not about um, the commercial, you know, aspect of, of what we're doing. It's just about what we can do for our community and for our kids. So, anyway, I'm just I'm, I'm rambling now, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's um, not a lot has changed actually. Not a lot has changed. Uh, we just we basically um, we um, we come up with um, locations that we'd like to visit. We engage with those uh, various locations, uh, mostly many of the libraries in those locations. Uh, we schedule in dates, uh, tentative dates. We book in uh, storytellers, book in the talent. We deliver the event. It's as simple as that. That's awesome, man. And like um, and like you say, it's. It's testament to a, to an awesome kaupapa with awesome foundations. If it stays the same, if it's if it's able to um, continue and at, while growing at the same time, because you've got more and more storytellers mm. on board, so it has it hasn't stayed the same. It's growing, but the mm. kaupapa has still stayed the same, and the aspirations are the same, and and I guess 
um, the mahi, the kōrero's, um, the storytelling, transfer of knowledge is staying the same. So, mihi ana kiaukui, my friend, brother. Um, couple more questions. Yeah. Te reo tua. Um, I mean, we've we've talked about how you know the past, how it started, how it's progressed, and and where it's going to. Uh, oh, where where is te reo? Where to next for Te Reo Wainini Otua? Like, um, are you going to continue to just push on through um, multiple different um, libraries and, and continue to provide awesome um, kōrero, awesome kaupapa kōrero, awesome stories? Or is it, as you started to allude to, is it more about maybe tutuing with other sort of platforms, other mediums, and seeing um, where that takes you? Yeah. So, of course, I'm always thinking about what we can do, um, you know, moving into the future. Um, I think for us, it's about uh, being able to share what we do with as many people as we can possibly share it with. Um, so a big part of that is obviously getting out to more um, uh, cities and towns um, and locations around the motu. Um, so um, I think priority number one is just trying to get, get us out there more. Um, obviously, there's a whole lot of um, um, there's a whole lot of stuff behind that, like funding that really um, mm. that impacts on how how much events we can deliver, say in in, in any one year. Um, but that, again, that's just another challenge, and it's the same challenge for any for any of us uh, uh, sort of capable of Maori service providers that are reliant on uh, public funding at the moment. So um, I was gonna uh, actually, yeah, just sorry yeah. to sorry to butt in there, right. but I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, and you've reminded me, which is awesome. Mm. I, I love this little corridor. Awesome. You, um, you know, you, Te Reo Wānenua Tua, like so many other um, kaupapa um, around Te Reo Māori, are heavily reliant on funding, um, government funding, um, corporate funding, whatever it is, but heavily reliant on funding. Do you reckon um, that Te Reo Wānenua Tua could or can or does um, survive if that funding sort of, uh, that government funding, material funding sort of well went dry. I mean, it has gone dry. It's it's finished now. But, you know, if if someone was to say you're not going to get any more um, government funding, do you think that Te Reo Wainini Otua would have a future? Or is it one of these things that is just like, oh, well, that was that Copa, but see you later. So, um, I've been working with government funders for about eight years now, so really, really quite experienced with working with public funding, particularly Māori Language Commission Material Fund. Um, and it is, it, honestly, it is a very challenging process, um, you know, just through going through all of the, the, the hurdles and the red tape and the, and, and the reporting. And uh, I, don't, I don't mind so much the reporting because I think it's important to be able to be um, transparent about the mahi that you do and to, to be able to tell the fund, oh, hey, actually, this is what we've done. Yeah. This is how we did it. And this is how we basically spent your money and, and the community's money as well. So, um, and because of that, because of the, 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 the challenges, challenges that um, we face uh, when we deal with public funding, I've always had it in my mind, well, I wouldn't say always, but probably the last... Uh, I'll say four years, always thinking about how we can become a self self maintaining, self sustaining entity, which basically means um, an entity that doesn't rely on government funding. Mm. Okay, so then it starts. You start thinking about, well, okay, how am I going to achieve that? Because it's a kind of a tall ask, right? Um, so the way that we 
achieve that is um, by looking for other um, funding streams, you know, and it's not public funding. Uh, things like um, being able to offer corporate messaging or corporate storytelling mm. is, a, is, a, is potential there. Uh, um, things like um, uh, maybe maybe providing cultural services so that your cultural sort of commit. Uh, okay, so essentially creating a sort of a commercial, um, and I and I don't like you. The word commercial because it normally means money, um, and it normally means money from a finance from a Western perspective because mm. it's not all about the money. Um, however, the reality is that we do require money um, to pay our people because it's really important for us to be able to uh, remunerate our people um, appropriately, particularly since a lot of our talents have um, lead um, very busy professional lives. So we need to be able to make it worth their time to turn up to. Do some mahi for us. So anyway, um, so it's just really thinking about um, ways that we can um, um, sort of come up with some commercial opportunities that will fund the social arm, if you like. So essentially, we're looking at um, creating a commercial side that will fund the social enterprise side or the community initiative on mm. this side, um, so that we don't the um, um, side of the of the of the Organization, the community side of Te Reo Wine Tour, which currently for us is delivering these storytelling events um, at libraries, so that doesn't have to rely on um, on handouts from the government. And I think for any Maori or capable Maori or Maori-owned business, I think it's really important, particularly if it's community uh, focused. I really think it's important for organize, Maori organisations to be able to um, to 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 say, hey, look, you know, moving forward, looking to the future. We cannot rely on government funding forever. Mm. You know, we can't. We just can't do that because um, there's a whole lot of um, um, challenges and hurdles that come with accepting government funding. Okay, so they they basically tell you how you have to do things more or less, more or less. Um, so in that in that sense, um, if you can create your own um, income essentially create your own own funding you have more autonomy over what you do mm. and that's a good thing right mm. so you so you can do whatever you feel is important for the co-papa you can do that however much budget or money you you feel that needs to be spent on a particular event you can do that yes you have that ultimate decision however when you're relying on government no, they have to agree with you. So if you say, "Oh, it's going to have to do," this, and they say, "No, no, no, we think it's going to cost you two and a half thousand dollars to do this. Take it or leave it." Well, there you go. So immediately you're 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 behind the eight ball because you're trying to do something, you're trying to deliver something that you know will cost more, but you you can't because this is like, this is the X amount of money that you're going to get to do that mm. from that whatever it is. So. I don't know if they, did that answer your question, bro? Totally, totally. No, no, totally. Totally. And and I guess government funding is like um I mean, we're all in this in this game um of, you know, needing to write proposals, um constantly looking at different avenues in which we could write another proposal to another government agency or whatever. Um but I guess it's the like the ultimate honey trap, eh? As you say, it's the the funding is there and uh, you wanna be delivering this awesome copa to the community. It's awesome. But then 
and the co- the government funding, whatever agency is saying, we have funding here for you. If you wanted to do something for the community, here you go. But it does, it comes with so many hurdles and uh, um, they, yep. you want to go left, but they'll say you got to go right. It's, um, it's hoha, man. Okay. That's what the word is, I it guess. Is and it is whole hard, and I guess that's why um, it's really important that Te Reo Tour um, moving forward, um, that we are able to create our own, um, basically forge our own path and, and be masters of our own destiny, which is, you know, to, mm. to what I'm afraid. Um, yeah. do, do you, um, where do you see, um, you know, do you think that there is a... Oh, hold on, never mind that. This question, I was going to go some down another path. Does it not matter? But you you spoke about going down um sort of a corporate route. Is this where you were going? Is this how the um because one side of Te Reo One and Tour is you facilitate um storytelling workshops um mm-hmm. on the back of Te Reo One and Tour, the storytelling um event sort of thing. Is that where that idea came from, or has that always been there? Has the workshops been going forever, and then now you're thinking, oh, I could maybe turn this aspect into something that makes us money so that we're able to facilitate um, Te Reo Wine and Neo Tour in a much more natural and, and in a way that we want to. Is that where those workshops um, came about, or like I said, have they always been going, and this is just another avenue that you want to follow? Yeah, good, good question. Um, so at the beginning, the workshops um, were, were were actually the the brainchild of uh, Matua Joe. So um, and, and and for him, it was all about um, sharing his knowledge mm. uh, because he's been doing Joe Hardwick has been doing story Maori storytelling now um, internationally for the last thirty years. I buzzed out when I when I when I was talking to him, and he's, yeah, working, he's been doing it for yeah. thirty years. 30 oh my years, god. Bro. So yeah, he is you know pretty much OG of the sort of mahi and all around um, the world too, not not just uh, in New all, Zealand all or in some marae. He's going internationally doing Maori stories. Yeah, he gets invited internationally. So um, and for him, it was actually him that said to me, "Oh, I'd really like to be able to run some workshops." Right. You know, I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, sweet." So that's how it came to be, and it was just an offering that um, that he wanted to. To, the, to tack on to the end of, it just so happens that we tacked it on to the end of our th- three-day storytelling events. We'll yeah. tack a workshop at the end. Um, and um, for him, it was just about um, sharing his experiences, sharing his knowledge, and just transferring that knowledge in terms of the actual method and the art form of Māori storytelling. It's really getting more into the discussion around how, if I wanted to be a storyteller, how would I do that? Mm. Um, and what types of story do we have? Um, who owns the story? You know all those sorts of discussions that are probably a little bit more pitched at the at, at our uh, adult or pakeke and maybe even the the um, rangatahi mm. that might be interested in pursuing that path. So um, and over time we've sort of thought about like how how can we develop on those workshops? Um, so you know we've thought about um, succession and also mentoring. Um, we're thinking about ways that we can develop and provide mentoring pathways for our young ones so that they can enter in at the beginning and whether it be through our workshop system and then they can actually see at the end of it there's an actual career pathway for them Uh, and a lot of our kids particularly obviously our Maori kids very very tactile very performance based very creative very you know 
all of those things that sort of kind of like a cup that I guess that's why Kapahaka is really um, really popular with our tamariki, but it just offers them another pathway uh, that they might not um, otherwise um, have thought about, you know. Mm. So it's a performing arts thing, but also um, it's proven, you know, we just need to look at um, Matua Joe as an example. He's traveled the world, it's taken him around the world, you know, for the last 30 years. So is that something that a young Māori person might aspire to? I reckon. Hell yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't I know if I'm. So. I don't know if I'm, yeah, I'm so, still um, considered. I don't know if I'm still considered young, but uh, I, I aspire to that man <laughs> going all around the world doing storytelling, exactly, uh, doing Māori exactly. storytelling. That's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, who wouldn't say? And um, so you know, the workshops have sort of morphed into something a little bit more in terms of okay, um, we're offering these workshops uh, for anyone that's interested, but how? what What about after? What happens afterwards, you know? Mm. Where, where, where are we going to take our kids? And that's, um, and that's a big part of us developing relationships with other Indigenous networks and other Indigenous storytellers um, is being able to provide them with those pathways to Hawaii, uh, to, um, you know, Inuit, to, um, to Native America, uh, Native American, um, you know, um, storytellers. You know, it's all about making those hononga to other um, peoples so that we can create pathways for our kids to be able to travel the world sharing stories about themselves. You know? That's so, cool, man. That's cool. Um, I would get into a whole other path, um, but, oh, no, nah, fuck it. Here we go. This is my, this, this, um, two, two more questions, bro, and then that's us. Um, you have taken Te Reo Wainanui or Tua um, overseas, and like we say, uh, Matua Joe Harawera has been going around the world for the last 30 years doing um, Te Reo Wainanui or doing his own version of Te Reo Wainanui yeah. or Tua, so to yeah. speak. How have you found it um, taking it overseas? How have you found it um, doing Māori stories in a place that is not Māori? Um, how has that been? Receptive? Have they been receptive to that? Have, they, have you met with a little bit of, um, ooh, I'm not sure about this sort of thing? Or has it been pretty awesome and amazing and people are just welcoming you with open arms? So admittedly, um, or oh, to answer that question, admittedly we've only been to one uh, sort of international sort of destination um, so far. Um, it's taken a little while for us to be able to secure funding for that because as you know, um, most public funding, particularly Māori language, the Māori Language Commission is for domestic, uh, domestic based or, or, or basically people that are, that are delivered within New Zealand. Yes. So they don't do anything outside of so we were fortunate to receive some funding from Creative New Zealand to participate in their uh, Indigenous Art Form Exchange program, right. which enabled us to go over to Hawaii for about nine days. In about nine days. So, you know, for our first venture out into the world, we couldn't have picked a better place, to be honest, yeah. uh, because, um, you know, because they very their culture is very much aligned with ours. Um, their real is very much very similar to ours. Um, you know, the, the way they do things, um, the people, pretty much they're Māori that live in, yes. you know, they're, they're, they're Māori that live in the islands. So, um, so we're very close kin. Um, so that made it easier. So our first journey out into the world was awesome, was amazing. Um, I actually used to be um, an exchange student. I used to live in Hawaii many years ago as an exchange student. So I had a good friend there, my, my best mate when I was living 
uh, earlier and going to the school at Kamehameha Schools, which is the biggest school in in, in, um, in, Oahu, in uh, Honolulu. So I've kept in touch with them over the years, and I've always, you know, once one of the ideas that I had and one of the thinkings that I had um, whilst working with Te Reo or two over the past few years was I wanted to be able to take our people, mm. our storytellers, to Hawaii, you know, because yeah. I think, well, man, I have a little bit of an affinity to the place because I used to live there, um, and I still had a good mate that's actually, he's a, a professor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So anyway, fast forward a few years, and we got some funding. I'm like, oh, cool. So then, you know, we got on to um, sort of creating this trip for our, for our team to go to Hawaii. And we took uh, Scotty and Stacey Morrison and we took Tamati Waka and myself and my wife Holly as well. So there was a crew of us, of five that went over. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, it was probably the best place that we could have started off. Yes. In terms of our international journey. Yes because they are so in tune with what we do, with who we are, with our culture, um, in terms of the communication, uh, I'm talking about the language, the mm. real, you know, they don't know how to speak Māori, but they could understand. Yes. That makes sense? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and vice versa. We don't know how to speak Hawaiian, but we could understand. Yeah. So those, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a language barrier in, in some much as it was and even if it was, was even if it like in my experience with um working with with um the kanaka maoli um mm. it's even if it, there is a language barrier the wairua takes over and you just it's all good <laughs> things so even if you like sure you can understand uh, the general um gist of what they're talking about but there are sometimes you think oh but be, just because it's a wairua there's a honunga there maori and maoli we're all getting together it's all good keep going my friend uh, was it kind of like that a little bit just like yeah he honunga kone. we're all good keep going yeah no it was totally it was totally like that it was totally like that it was was um you know we didn't necessarily need to understand and word word for word what we were what we were so much as we felt you know we felt what was being shared in terms mm. of the story in terms of us a puraco that our that our crew were so it was very much like that and and so it was a it was a very very special experience it was a very um emo- even an emotional experience for us all um, we really felt a connection to the whenua the land which i mean that's probably something only us well us us but it's probably something that indigenous people can can relate to regardless of where they are in the world you know if, we, if, we, if, we, if you and i were standing up tomorrow we would be instantly connected to that land you know mm. because we understand how much how much importance we place on whenua mm. um, and the environment. So I think it's something that we as Indigenous people can can re- relate to and connect to quite easily. So it was a lot of, was of um, um, sharing of story and it was a lot of um, us just getting to know our cousins in, uh, in Hawaii. Well, my friend, um, kua mātou i kone mātaua. So my, my, my final pātai, um, 
um, for you, my friend. And it's 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 as you've uh, you, you you know we've worked together, and um, you've probably heard me um, say this every now and then. And like I said, I've told you, I've, I've, I ask people this is my final question: things that make you go Deutz, and Deutz being the word of you know like far, that's awesome. This is an amazing kopapa, or you just want to show some sort of um, affection to something, or you just want to show some sort of um, ahua harikoi, and you just let something out and then Deutz comes out. Things that make you go Deutz, my friend, what are they? Um, I think if we're talking about Terewai Nenio Tua, um, you know, the, the, the main reward that I get from doing this work, um, you know, and I'll, and I'll be honest, there's not a lot of money in it. So if you're out to make money, that's probably not the game for you. Good. Um, yeah. Um, so, I think the main uh, reward for me and something that really makes me um, like ecstatic and elated whenever we do these events is just seeing our kids connect with our our storytellers. You know, there's nothing there's nothing more rewarding than seeing that connection being made. And I've seen it with yourself, and I've seen it with all of our storytellers. You know, when you when you can see that the the the, the is just absolutely 110% engaged with you that's just the magic moment mm. and for me to be able to have the privilege to observe those things happen mm. and I've been to obviously been to every event that we've delivered in the last few years um, that's the magic that's magic yeah. um, and that's why that's why I keep doing what I'm doing um, because it's not about it's not really about me it's about what we what I can do to sort of um, foster those sorts of, um, um, you know, those moments. Um, it's what about it's, it's about what I can do to help with the revitalizing of the real because I don't speak the real. It's not my first language, um, and for me, it's a real challenge walking into my um, my own events that I create um, that are normally full full immersion environments. Environments, and that's it's not my primary language. That's quite a it's quite intimidating. Intimidating sometimes. Be awkward, but I look. I look above that, and I look beyond that, and I can see that. Well, if I was to let that intimidate me, I probably wouldn't keep doing what I'm doing. So mm. I've just got to, I've just got to suck it up and just keep keep moving, you know. Um, and I'm fortunate to have to work with people like yourself and Kaurangi and and others who make me feel not awkward, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, and and it, it includes my wife as well. So um, we're very fortunate fortunate to have people that are so um you know have so much manaki for us and are, and are so so much afi um but that moment where you can see in a in a in a, in a tam- tamaiti's eyes where they're just like wow this is amazing this is absolutely amazing that's the moment that makes me go to brother How awesome was that? What an awesome kaupapa. And I feel really aroha actually because since this interview was done, Lee Tumutumu and Te Reo Wainanuatua have got the word that they were not successful in the government funding round. So they will not be receiving government funding in terms of Te Mātāwai, Te Tauraafiri, Mā Te Reo. None of that funding will be going towards Te Reo Wainanuatua. So I guess now they're in another rebuilding stage trying to suss out where they're going. But if you want to give your support, if you want to 
go and see more about Tereo Wine and Neo Tour, drop an email, whatever it is, I would recommend you go to their website. It is trwot.org.nz. That's the acronym for Tereo Wine and Neo Tour. I guess all you need to do is just Google search Tereo Wine and Neo Tour and you'll be there and happy. Bueno. That's us for another episode. We'll be back with more Kaikorero, with more interviews. Stick around. It's all good. <laughs>